You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Mark Falconer in the studio joining us again. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Jason. Great to be here today. It's good to have you back. And uh, since um, two weeks ago, I think, when we had you here, there's been a few things happening in the world, one of the which um, I think just over two weeks ago, the, the Queen Elizabeth passed away. And uh, since then, there was all of the uh, various ceremonies and procedures that happened including the funeral service. Well, did did you been, watch that? Well, it's been the big talking point with the passing of the Queen and it happened rather suddenly, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. And, uh, yeah, I I was struck by the, the funeral, the outpouring of grief for the Queen and the enormous amount of respect that she commanded by not only world leaders but also the general public. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, she was... She claims to be a woman of faith, and uh, I I believe that she she no doubt was. Well, that, that surprised that was, me. That was uh, stated, I think, publicly in many places. That was one of the things that surprised me about the Queen was her remarkable faith that people reported. I know that she, as Queen, you're defender of the faith, but you know, I didn't really put too much stock into that, but. People said, no, uh, she really had a very deep faith. She wasn't just a figurehead. No. She was uh, a true believer. Well, she she was reported to, quoted to have said, and I'll, I'll just share one with you. Mm. And she said this back in 2002, I know how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give my life for the best and all for the day that brings to put my trust in God. And that's, you know, quite remarkable for a head of state, but she kept that fairly private and we mm. didn't know too much about her faith mm. until the Archbishop of Canterbury shared some of those little snippets. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to know. And I think um, she did serve with humility. I think that's something that I admire. Well, as I like to say, remarkable restraint because, mm. you know, a lot of people said some pretty awful things about the royal family while she was alive, and but she never responded. Mm. Remarkable restraint. Now today, Mark, we're continuing the series um, Encounters with Jesus, and your specific series on that is, is Jesus Really Serious About? And last time we talked about, is Jesus Really Serious About Our Debt? Which uh, really was talking about... How, how we come to him uh, and and truly seek forgiveness in an attitude of repentance and uh, uh, a genuine spirit I guess of uh, yeah not not just um, not just going through the motions absolutely and uh, also appreciating the cost mm. of that salvation and that cost was huge mm. Yeah, for sure. Now, today we're going to be talking about the topic of, is Jesus really serious about changing lives? So 
We'll get into that shortly. But if you do want to go back and have a listen to the past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download our Faith FM Australia app. You can get that from the app stores. If you've got a phone that has a data connection, an internet connection, you can download the app um, from either the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store as well. And you can listen to our live programs and you can listen to all of our past programs on there as well. So today, is Jesus really serious about changing lives? How would you like to start us off with this topic today? I think you've got a story. Well, you know, Jesus is serious about changing our lives and we must be serious about that in our daily lives. But there was a man who actually discovered that personally uh, and he wrote a book about it in about 1966, I think it was, and it was called Shang Tung Compound by Langdon Gilkey. And uh, he, he wrote uh, this book as a reflection of his time in the Welsian intern camp, or as he calls it, the Shang Tung Compound. And this was in the northern part of China during World War II. And um, so this is uh, um, where Japan was sort of expanding. Yeah. Empire. Well, yeah, Japan decided to invade China in 1937. Mm. And uh, so that was just before the World War Two. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And um, he he um, the, the Japan wanted to take over China because they wanted to expand politically and uh and also to get resources in order to expand their empire, and so they thought, what better thing to do to, in, to invade China? Have you been into the um, the area at uh, Pearl Harbor of the, the museums there that um, you can the tourists can go and have a look at? I've I've been in there, and and they've got a staged uh, map of where uh, Japan was going, and of course Pearl Harbor was part of that. Um, exercise as well when they bombed Pearl Harbor but it's amazing how much land Japan Japan actually conquered during that time. Well they had conquered a lot and um, they they made a serious mistake by bombing um, Pearl Harbor because they were running out of resources and with the invasion of China and because they had a lack of uh, soldiers and that they used poisonous gas Mm. in order to conquer the, the Chinese at the time and Landon Gilkey received a letter from the Japanese. Um, so he was a Westerner in China at the time? Yeah, right? he, he was working as a uh, lecturer in Peking, right. or, as, as it was known then, we call it Beijing today, and he received a letter from the Japanese to say, we would like you to come to a camp. And uh, in, in the letter, and sort of broken English, and it, some of the things that it said there, for your safety and comfort, we want you to come to this camp. Mm. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Mm. And uh, also in this letter, it said that there was every comfort um, of Western culture will be yours. Well, almost <laughs> sounded attractive, didn't it's like it? A, like a resort. <laughs> well, it was, and, and someone thought that, and they brought their golf clubs, and uh, when they arrived, they were severely disappointed. Mm. And when they arrived, this was in the northern part of China, where they arrived was an abandoned monastery. And uh, there were already people there, and they looked all dishevelled, um, poorly clothed, dirty, and it was not a good sight to greet them. And when they arrived, they basically 
said to them, you have to look after yourselves. There's plumbing. Become self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. No plumbing. And uh, so nowhere to go. grow their own food. Yes, they did. Had to look after themselves. And there were... There was very poor infrastructure, and so they had to start from scratch. So what do you do with a, a few thousand people there, and you've got nothing, no food, uh, no infrastructure? Mm. You've got to set up an order of society, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to uh, get some coordination going and teams of people working and uh, doing certain tasks. A- a- absolutely. Now... Landon Gilkey, when he wrote this book 20-odd years later, he kept a meticulous journal of his experiences, and he discovered some fascinating things. Now, Landon Gilkey was a, an, a devout secularist. He wasn't a Christian at all. Mm. Later on, he became a Christian, you know, when he wrote the book. But what he, what he noticed, well, what he expected when he got to the camp, that everybody would chip in and rise to the challenge. Mm that we got to work together to make this camp work. We work to help each other. And uh, what he found was shocking. It's interesting, isn't it? Because often in, uh, you know, disaster times, you know, when cyclones and hurricanes and floods happen, people do band together and they work together to, to help people. But but other times where this is, I guess, less um, catastrophic, it was just, you know, a group of people coming together. We didn't find that here. No, he, he actually found that people were lazy. They would say, well, why should I? Mm. Who put you in charge? Mm. And and the surprising thing was, and this hurts a little bit, he was actually even scathing of missionaries. Mm. You know, people were racked, packed and stacked in small rooms and there was no privacy. And... And the missionaries, they would be singing hymns and praying aloud all through the night, keeping other people awake. Um, neither were they all coming together to work together to cook, uh, to um, grow the food. And one of the first things that they had to set up, because there was no um, toilet facilities, they had to get the plumbing going, they really needed to get a hospital going, and they had to get some sort of order, but the people just didn't want to. And do you know what Langdon Gilkey concluded about human nature? He discovered something um, interesting about human nature. He, he, what he expected, as I said earlier, was that everybody would come together, rise to the and, challenge. And particularly uh, he expected a bit more of the Christian missionaries that were there as well, but he, he didn't find that they were acting any differently. No, no, they, they, they didn't, and he was bitterly disappointed. Mm. And, and he, as he reflected on human nature, he realised that there was something inherently wrong with human nature that blew apart his devout secularist view and uh, and he, he, he said that the, the problem with man's that man has is his own ego his own selfish nature mm. and uh, and he, he, he says this here and I'll, and I'll quote him here but insofar as there's self meet, meets God and can surrender to something beyond its own self-interest. 
Religion may provide one possibility for such needed and rare release from our common concern, but religion can also be used for our own selfish ends Mm. and unless we surrender to God. Now, what he was saying was that religion doesn't necessarily in of itself solve man's problem unless he surrenders. If he doesn't, then we do have a problem like Nicodemus. We'll come back and uh, delve more into that. It's time to go to break. But we've got a question for our listeners this morning. Um, Why do you think we are often self-centred or self-focused? That seems to be common in our human nature. We'd love to hear from you today. 0488880891 is our show number. Text us in your response to this question. Why do you think we're often self-centred or self-focused? Later on in the program, we've also got a book offer that you'll be able to use that same number to claim a copy of the book as well. Right now, this is I Surrender All by a group called All I Am. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely Take me, Jesus, take me 
to you listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Mark Falkner on the topic of is Jesus really serious about changing lives and in particular changing our lives and we asked you a question why do you think we are often self-centered self-focused we'd love to hear from you today text us in on 0488 now, Mark, uh, we've got a passage that we're going to be focusing our attention on today in Galatians chapter 5, and we're studying from verse 16 to 23. Just give us an intro to that before we read it. All right. So we'll, we'll just um, recap a little bit with Landon Gilkey because yeah. he, he found something that there was, inher- there was something inherently wrong with human nature. Yeah. And that we were inherently selfish and that... Religion in of itself doesn't necessarily solve that, but what does solve the human problem of sin is Jesus coming into life through his Holy Spirit bearing fruit. And that's what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 5. So so just purely going through the motions of religion is not a solution to the human condition, is what we're talking about. That's exactly right. See, some people can use religion for their own ego, mm. for their own self-interest, mm. without any real change. But God wants to bear fruit in our lives. And, and so Paul has something really valuable to say, you know, just as a, a little bit of a quick background to Galatians Paul wrote to the people in Galatia now Galatia is in eastern Turkey and so these were made up of mostly non-Jews or were they Jews they were mostly Jews mostly Jews right that converted to Christianity converted to the gospel but they went back to their old ways of right. the the Jewish religion that you got to keep the law they forgot about salvation by grace and and so Paul wanted to re-establish apostolic authority. He wanted to re-establish the, the gospel and uh, to unify the church. And he also wanted to talk to them about holy living. Mm. We don't like talking about holy living, do we? It, it's it's a bit like that word uh, self-righteousness. <laughs> yeah, it is. In Australia, it? we don't like people... You know, claiming that they're that they're righteous or what have you. So. No, absolutely not. We don't go around saying, oh, "I'm holy." Yeah. Are you? No, no, absolutely not. But he he wants us to rise above the normal. And if you read the New Testament, you see it time and time again. Um, no doubt the Old Testament as well, where he's God is calling us through the apostles to live a holy life. Absolutely. So let's read it, eh? Uh, so we're reading from Galatians 5, verse 16, and we're going to go down to verse 23. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, 
enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, that's quite a passage there, isn't it? There's a lot, lot in this, and we won't be able to do justice to all of it. But in the first part, Paul captures the essence of the battle that we all face each and every day. The we, battle against flesh and spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we do the things that we don't want to do mm. and we wish that we could and we battle against the flesh and the spirit. And so Paul then goes down and, and then he talks about uh, those who won't inherit and inherit eternal life, those who, who practice drunkenness, carousing, idolatry and sorcery. But then he also adds a few other things and, that... And some of these things are perhaps um, easier to identify in ourselves than others. Exactly. So, yeah, things like outbursts of anger, <laughs> envying. Mm. You know, so these are things, even jealousy, you know, these are sort of things that... And, and, and strife and disunity. These are yeah. things that we face each mm. and every day. And this is the battle uh, between the spirit and the flesh. And, and and so Paul here then talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You can't legislate this stuff, mm. can you? You can't legislate this fruit. It, it has to come from within. Mm. And the only way that that comes from within is through the Spirit of God. Now, the interesting thing here is that Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You know mm. this word fruit? It's singular. Yeah, it's an interesting thing when it's singular, but then he lists, uh, you know, half a dozen things. <laughs> he, he does. Yeah. And, and commentators say, such as uh, Donald Guthrie, he says that the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about it being singular, and he starts with love, and love is the branch that it branches out to all the other fruit, but it is one package. Mm. It is one fruit. So we can't pick out one piece of the fruit and say, I am doing great. Mm. I'm, I'm good today. Mm. Well, I've been gentle. But if I have no joy... Well, it doesn't work like that. It's all of the fruit that must be present in our lives. Mm. And, you know, it's pretty hard achieving all of that, isn't it? Well, you certainly can't do it. I don't think you can do it through your own strength. Absolutely not. And that can only come through the Spirit of God. But here's, here's another factor. As we... we as we grow in Christ, as we look to him, we must be growing. Now, in the messiness of everyday life, it may not look per, uh, perfect or great, and some days it's going to be 
pretty poor other days or it'll be great but the nature of growth is that we need to be growing mm. but Paul uses um, botanical um, illustrations or a metaphor of, of, of growth that it and one of the reasons why he does that is that it gives us the illustration of a like a tree, you know, or a seed that grows and then it grows into a tree. Think of the four seasons. Summer, winter, spring, autumn. And we get those all in one day in Tasmania. Oh, we, <laughs> we get the whole shebang, don't we? And uh, can even snow on Christmas Day. Yeah. But the point here, what he's saying is that in winter, a tree is still growing, mm. albeit slowly. Mm. In summer, obviously, it's growing, and mm. spring is sprouting forth, autumn it's descending into winter. And growth is like that in the Christian life. Sometimes we might be in the experience of winter. Other times we might be in the experience of summer where everything's going great, we're in sunshine. Do you know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. So we, but, but the point here that we must be growing. We might be in the experience of winter, and if we're in the experience of winter today, let us hold on to God's promise. Look to Him. Um, uh, just before we go to our break, um, there's this word in verse 16. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit. And then again later in uh, verse 25, it says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also walk by the Spirit. Just explain what that means. Well, if we, when we live by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit, during the day we take God with us. We look to Him. We look up. We hold on to the promises. Even even if our life that day is is awful, we might be having a terrible day at work, or our marriage might be not working too well, finances might be terrible. But it's through all of that we, we look to Jesus who lifts us up and helps us to rise above the tension and the troubles that we have in, in everyday life. And even if we've lost a loved one, God can still give us that sense of peace. Mm. Comes back to that statement that uh, we read earlier about the Queen, wasn't it? Through the good times and the challenges. Absolutely. She, you know, she remained, um, or her faith helped her through those times. Yeah, she remained steadfast. We've yeah. got to keep looking, looking mm. up. Mm, absolutely. We've got to go to another break. And uh, our question for today, why do you think we are often self-centred or self-focused? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 880891. This uh, beautiful song is called Walk In It. With Me by Kate Gariga. Help me, Jesus, I need you To do a work I couldn't do Take this heart of stone Make it flesh and make it light let me see with your eyes You love perfectly Jesus, please be love in me My ears hear you say This is the way Walk in it with me Walk in it with me 
with me. Holy Spirit, please abide in my heart and be my guide in everything I do. Show me truth, reveal the lies, help me when temptations rise, bring the victory. made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with Mark Falconer on the topic of is Jesus really serious about changing lives? And we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Now, during the break, we had a question come in from Chris and uh, the question was, can you tell us the name of the book about the man in China who was interned by the Japanese? Mark, can t- tell us the name of the book. Yeah, the name of the book is Shen Tun Compound. How do you spell Shen Tun? Do you know? 
I think I've got it up here somewhere. Let me have a look. Shantoon in my first section here. It is spelt. Where have I got it? I can't find it. If you just put in, uh, just as a bit of a guess, S H A N T U N G. That's it. S H E. I found it. S H A N T U N G compound, and it's by Langdon Gilkey. Yeah. And if you Google that, she'll come up with a whole row of books, and you can get a Kindle edition for fairly cheap. Cool. No worries. It's a good. It's a good read. Interesting. Mm. Now, Mark, um, we need to press on. What what do we need to uh, continue on with now? Now, we, we've just been looking at the fruit of the Spirit that comes from God's Holy Spirit, that He regenerates our lives. The thing that we need to differentiate, and this is what Langdon Gilkey found out when he was in the compound, that there was something inherently wrong with human nature that could not be solved by secular values. And if we are to be regenerated through the Spirit, we must draw a difference between behavioural modification and transformation. And, of course, he observed that many of the Christians also were not, you know, transformed genuinely exactly. as well. So, so just by claiming to be Christian doesn't guarantee that... Uh, we are a changed person. Absolutely. Now, that in Matthew seven twenty one to 23 illustrates that perfectly. Jason, would you like to read that for us, please? Yeah, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, I find this passage really disturbing. Mm. You know why I find this disturbing? Because it might be talking about me <laughs> or you. <laughs> yeah, it's talking, yeah, it could be talking about us because, yeah. you, you know, when you, when you cry out, you know, and... Uh, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, you know. People say, oh, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. Yeah, did we not prophesy in your name? Uh, yeah. Well, you'd think that if you're prophesying in the Lord's name, mm. you've got to be inside running, wouldn't you? Mm. And, um, and uh, you know, particularly those who are casting out demons and performing, performing many miracles, and these people are impacting people's lives. Mm. But this, in a sense, uh, illustrates how religion can be used for selfish reasons. Mm. We have that example in in Scripture, isn't it, where there was um, a man who, I guess this is a different form of religion, but a man who had a uh, a girl who would, um, I think, tell the future or something, and and, uh, when Paul came along and cast out the demon, then he lost his income. So he was using that spiritual, this wasn't Christian in this case, but it was a spiritual means to gain To wealth. gain money. Yeah. And, and that's what the locals were using her for. Mm. And, uh, you know, Christianity or any religion can be used inappropriately for the same reason. 
and for partic- other reasons as well. Yeah, you know, whether it be to gain money or to power, influence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we have seen examples of that over the years, but we won't mention any over the radio yeah. or in any people. Mm. Um, but some people do come to mind when we do think of this, don't mm. um, and And then Jesus says, I never knew you. Mm. That. That is uh, frightening, isn't it? And but that also captures the essence of what we must uh, have in our lives. We must know God mm. in our personal relationship, in our through our devotions, through Scripture, and and so we must therefore draw the difference between behavioural modification and transformation. Let me. The, the first fruit of the spirit was um, was love, and you said from all those from from that one comes all the others. Yes, now that comes from one Corinthians thirteen, and uh, one Corinthians thirteen is often used in weddings. You know that uh, you know you, you must love. But it doesn't just apply to weddings, does it? Because I think at the time he wasn't talking about two people getting married. He was no. talking to a, a congregation, was it not? Absolutely. Mm. He, he was talking to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians thought that they were doing marvellously, but they were rude, horrible, arrogant, mm. and they were selfish. Mm. And Paul was writing to them, and and then he came to 1 Corinthians 13 and and telling them what love looks like as patient, as kind, and as long-suffering. And the reason why Paul used uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and he says that if you do not have love, you're just like a, a noisy gong. A noisy gong, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a clanging cymbal. You have nothing. The reason he used that was because it takes a miracle to love mm. people that we don't like. Now, what about the uh, story of Nicodemus? He was another one who came to Jesus, and he was a religious leader and uh, well-respected in the religious community. He was a very respected leader. You know, he came to Jesus by night. Mm. And uh, John recounts this story. He tells him he came by night, and he's not talking about the time mm. so much. And he was in spiritual darkness. He was in spiritual How could Nicodemus be in spiritual darkness? He was a Sabbath keeper. He kept the commandments. Mm. He was a righteous person. He would have been, when, pe- when he walked into the synagogue or into a church, people would have uplifted Nicodemus. And they said, this is a righteous man. But you know what Jesus' first words to him was? You've got to be born again. What? Born again? Nicodemus born again? Come on. Look, Nicodemus came to see Jesus. He might want to have a few rough edges smoothed out, a bit of theology yeah. worked out. But he said, no, you must be born again. Mm. Oh, what did, did Nicodemus ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Or was he just coming to have a discussion? He was just coming to have a theological discussion. Yeah. Jesus just went straight for the jugular. Mm. You must be born again. Mm. How can that be, says Nicodemus? Mm. How can that be? And then he says, talks about the spirit. It's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming or it's going, but you can see the effects in the trees. And um, and for Nicodemus, he was puzzled as to how that would work. Mm. 
And just before we go to a break, uh, you've got one more illustration here about uh, the snake being lifted up in the desert with the Israelites when uh, they were being bitten by these snakes and dying. Well, and, and that's what that was the illustration that he used for Nicodemus to understand. And uh, as the pole was uplifted in the in the Old Testament and in, in Numbers, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now you might recall that the Israelites were bitten by the snakes, mm. and they were dying. And so Moses put the snake on the pole. Do you know what they had to do? In order to be cured, they just had to look at the snake, and that is a that is the critical thing here. And whether we're going through summer, winter, spring, autumn, in our Christian walk, we look. Mm. That is the essence. We look to God, and we look to Him who will change. Now that snake was representative of Christ on the cross, is it right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that tells us that we need to look to Jesus when. If we want genuine change, if we want to be healed, if we want to change, then we need to look to Jesus. And Nicodemus did. Mm. Mm. And that's when he came to the foot of the cross. Mm. Our free book offer today is called Getting to Know the Holy Spirit, and this is by Ron Clauser. Um, In John 14, verse 16 and 17, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Spirit of Truth. Do you long to understand and experience more of the Holy Spirit's transformative work in your life? Are you afraid of hindering the Spirit, or do you have questions about what it means to pray in the Spirit? Find the answers in this book, and you will also discover how the Holy Spirit is the one who unlocks Jesus' life and ministry so it can be finally understood and embraced by sinful human beings. This is what Paul meant when he wrote those words. It says, Christ lives in me in Galatians. That's our free book offer today. Right after the break, we'll give you the code for this. This is Look to Jesus by Phil Wickham. Death looks like an empty grave. Fear looks like a giant slain. Trials look like gifts of grace When I look to Jesus Failure's bout of victory Sin has lost its hold on me Endless love is all I see When I look to Jesus
the crashing waves I will keep my eyes on you For only you can make a way I will keep my eyes on you We'll dance upon the crashing waves Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and we're finishing up our program today with Mark Falconer. We've been talking about is Jesus really serious about changing lives and of course it's a rhetorical question. We know that he is serious about changing lives but we need to understand how. And uh, before the break, I did uh, talk about this book offer that we've got today. It's called Getting to Know the Holy Spirit. We've got just three copies to give away today. So the first three in to text in this code to our show number 0488-880-891. Text this code into that number, Encounter26, no spaces, Encounter26. Text that into 488-880-891. Mark, uh, before the break, we were looking at the story of Nicodemus when he came to Jesus, and uh, Jesus told him that he had to be born again. Yeah, that's a term you know we don't often use in our part of the world, mm. and uh, being born again. Some churches, in use fact, it. it's often used as a as an insult to Christians. Oh, they're a born again. <laughs> yeah, we, exactly. We sort of think, oh dear, oh dear, they're the emotional type. They're a bit <laughs> off the planet and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But Jesus said it to Nicodemus. Mm. And um, it, what strikes me about the passages that we've read this morning, you know, we looked at Matthew 7, um, where Jesus said that I never knew you and they thought that they were believers and impacting people but they were doing it for the wrong motive mm. and sometimes we look at John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him is enough mm. but it's not it's not just enough to have just a belief in God. Even the devil believes in God. (laughs) Exactly. And not everyone who cries me, Lord, Lord, Mm. will be saved. Mm. Yeah. So there has to be something a a bit more, you know. Mm. And that's why the story of John chapter 3 is so important. You know, Nicodemus, you know, because he was such an an upright person. He was a good person. Mm. There's no question about that. Mm. And this is where we need to draw the distinction between uh, a mechanical faith or a behavioural modification versus 
transformation. Mm. And transformation by the Spirit, that's what Paul was talking about in Galatians, the fruit singular, and that he challenged the people at the end there to, to walk in the Spirit. We'll come back to that word walk in a minute. But let's just go back to uh, John uh, chapter, chapter 3. three. Yeah. Uh, let's read a few verses from uh, verse 4. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. It talks about the wind blowing. Yeah. It's making a comparison to the, the Spirit. And, and that absolutely puzzled Nicodemus mm. because he thought he was a righteous person. Mm. And generally speaking, and no doubt to our listeners, we think ourselves as pretty good, don't we? Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes oh. not, but sometimes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a murderer. No, that's right. I'm not a thief. Depends on how you compare yourself to, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, we, we like to compare it to a terrorist or something like that, don't we, if we're yeah. getting really desperate. But I want to share with you just a, a, a quote that really captures the essence and the difference between behavioural modification and uh, transformation, and it comes... Uh, from a book called Steps to Christ. and uh, This is a book that we studied with Peter Watts um, earlier in the year. Mm. Oh, terrific. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, oh right. It's, mm. it's a great book, and mm. uh, I'm sure our listeners would love a copy if you were generous mm. enough to send it to them. If, if you text in steps number 1 to 0488880891, you'll get a copy of this book. And that's the best book on discipleship, on how to follow Jesus. And she comes out with this profound statement here, and she says, Education, culture, and the exercise of the will, human effort, all have their proper sphere. But here, talking about transformation, they are powerless. They may produce an outward correctness of behaviour, but they cannot change the heart. They cannot purify the springs of life. There must be a power from working within, a new life from above, before man can be changed from sin to holiness. That power is Christ. His grace alone can quicken the lifeless faculties of the soul and attract it to holiness. And she goes on to say that except a man be born from above, unless he shall receive a new heart, new desires, purposes, and motives. So education and culture have their proper sphere, but we must walk in his, in his light. We must look to him each and every day. Mm. We might be in winter, spring, or summer, but we must be growing. Mm. Are you growing mm. today? Again, another rhetorical question, but it's a good one for us to contemplate. And if you're not, flee to him, look to him, because mm. that's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Look, look. Now, Ellen White uses the illustration of the sun, you know, with plants, you know, and as we look to Jesus, he is the sun in our life and uh, he helps us to grow. Great news, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. 
Well, we've run out of time. Next week we've got uh, Afi Tuaoi joining us and he'll be continuing the study on Hosea. We're up to Hosea chapter 4. So do join us next Monday with that. Tomorrow we've got Peter Watts and we're continuing the series on the book of Daniel and we're up to Daniel chapter 9. So if you've been following along with the series of Daniel, uh, Daniel and the God of Wisdom, join us tomorrow with Peter Watts. We'd love to have you with us tomorrow. If you haven't got a copy of the book yet, if you haven't texted in, Encounter number 26 is the book offer code for today, Getting to Know the Holy Spirit. 0488880891 is the number to text in on Encounter 26. Mark, uh, where are you speaking next? In terms of preaching or... In topic or location? In location. I'm up at Bernie next week. Bernie, okay. Well, if you're listening up in the northwest, and we do have some listeners, join Mark in Bernie uh, on this next coming Sabbath, Saturday. Look forward to seeing you there. No worries. May God be with you today, and may we continue to remember to look to Jesus. And seek the Holy Spirit. This song is a beautiful one. It's by Audrey Assad and it's called Spirit of the Living God. Oh, Spirit of the Living God, thou light and for divine. And sin and soul.